Here's an honest question. How are you supposed to know what to do with your money? Very few of us are exposed to meaningful advice on how to manage our finances. Even fewer have the means to get professional financial guidance. Betterment is a platform that was built to do something radical, to give accessible financial advice that puts you first. If you're like most Americans, your money is probably sitting in a savings account, likely earning you next to nothing. Maybe you have an investment account that you're not really sure what to do with. Betterment can help you make sense of what to do with your money. Investing involves risk, but you don't have to know the ins and the outs of the stock market to start investing for your future. Betterment's technology will put your money to work choosing the stocks and strategies that are right for you because we know you have other things to do. Betterment's platform can even provide guidance on what financial goals make sense for you. Give your money a new home with Betterment, peace of mind included. Download the Betterment app today. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-M-E-N-T for the betterment of you. Won't you listen to reason? Will you open your eyes? It's a wonder what you'll find with an open mind. You may be surprised. Yeah! Oh, hi, atheists. This is the Atheist Experience. Uh, with, with me today is Jeff D. Hi, everybody. It's going to be a silly show today. Everybody yes, in the studio really. is in a silly mood. Um, and that silly day happens to be uh, Sunday, September 16th, and we are, uh, as always, a live call-in public access television show based in Austin, Texas, dedicated to promoting positive atheism and the separation of church and state. Uh, you can catch us uh, locally on TV if you're in Austin, or you can see us on Ustream.tv, or if you miss the show, then uh, you can see it again on... Uh, crap, I got out of order. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> Um, the website is atheist-experience.com, and uh, you can uh, also provide feedback on the usual open threads that are created at freethoughtblogs.com slash AXP, and you can email us at tv at atheist-community.org, so we've got all kinds of web stuff, including the Nonprofits, a weekly podcast that has not been on for a month, and uh, Godless Bitches, which was on recently, and it was a great live show that you should totally see because it was in front of an audience at a convention um, or listened to. <laughs> uh, uh, and this week uh, we are uh, going to have dinner after the show at Threadgills and it might stay Threadgills for a really long time. Uh, so wipe El Arroyo from your memory for now unless you want to go back and patronize them in appreciation for all the many years of service they've given us. Um, Oh, and the Bat Cruise, it's next week. You better get a ticket now. It's not quite too late, but hurry up. If, if you feel like it. If you feel like it. <laughs> because we're not telling you to get a ticket. We're just saying, I'm going to be there, and it's fun. Um, <clears throat> and Jeff, are you going to be there? 
I'm not going to be there. Okay, Jeff's not going to be there, so don't bother. I've seen him. Don't come. No, no, no. It's better when I'm not there. Yeah, no. <laughs> it ruined everything in that time I was there. People come there. It's we. It's like unofficially titled the Jeff D. Cruz. And so, <laughs> I, I knew this was going to be a silly, silly, silly. Yeah. Show. So anyway, dinner after the show, I repeat, is at Threadgill's, and uh, uh, it's on Riverside Drive. Uh-huh. Uh, and let's see, before the Bat Cruise, there's going to be a lecture by Teresa McBain, who is a graduate of the Clergy Project, and that's it. What are we talking about today? Anything? Uh, are we just going straight to callers? Let's go to callers. We're going straight to callers. They know what's going on out there in the world. Yeah, yeah. They have the internet, uh, but they don't have Ian in South Boston, Virginia. But we do. Ian, are you there? Don't we? Uh, I'm here. What's yeah. going on out there in the world, Ian? Um, college. Okay. Uh, is that what you're calling about? No. Is that what you're? What are you calling about, Ian? Um, currently biochemistry. Although I'm thinking of switching to biology. That's what you're calling the show about? <laughs> um, no. Okay, let's get to that. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> I, I think I heard something wrong. Anyhow, the question that I have yeah. is. If religion is false and a complete illusion, then why does it matter if we if it's there or if it's there or if it's not there? Uh, because the practical effects of people believing in religion affect lots of people. I mean, uh, you know, people do things like try to pass laws based on religions. People uh, do things like screw up their kids by scaring them about hell. I mean, there there's actual uh, practical, measurable effects that religion has, regardless of whether the things they believe are true. Uh, um, all right, that kind of makes sense. But in, but in the same capacity, then, if it does have those effects, then how would you? Again, why then would it even matter? Why would it matter then if a kid is screwed up? Or if someone does, so your so your position is that it's perfectly okay if people screw up their kids. Oh hell no, no. Okay, so that's why why that there is why it matters because that's not cool. That's why. Got it. Okay. 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 That was it. All right. And also, I mean, I'd just like to mention religion doesn't. Always screw things up. So generally, we think uh, you know, live and let live as long as they're not screwing things up. But if they are, then we have a problem. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Thanks for calling. All right. Bye. Thanks for the explanation. Okay. Matthew in North Lake, Texas. My own. Yes. Awesome. What's up, guys? (laughs) Dude, (laughs) we were going to ask you. Oh my God! Um, Who? Oh, sorry. I was I was talking to God. Um, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, we'll put him I on. We'll talk to was him. Going to ask, what do you guys think about um, atheism in terms of like spirituality? Like, are they compatible? I mean, like secular spirituality or whatever. I don't know what spirituality means. Okay, yeah, I guess I should probably uh, go into that. Like, okay, so like when I say spirituality, I guess my 
and it could maybe it's not like the you know maybe not other people believe this is what spirituality is but um spirituality meaning like my relationship with the world around me or like the people around me or just like reality in general that uh, kind I, of thing well then my reaction to that is i don't see how atheism can prevent you from having a relationship <laughs> to other people in the world around you right right okay that, that makes <laughs> that makes sense um but i mean like i guess man it's, it's kind of hard to there are some religions right that will do that yeah, <laughs> i guess i'm just kind of getting into like some vaguely weird bullshit that nobody's ever gonna uh, believe in no okay. um i guess like the it it would have to do with like the forces that you know we don't quite understand but we know are there that like we don't see we don't experience on a on a daily basis like what? like um i mean i hate to try to put science into this but like uh, like dark energy, for instance, we know that, that there's something out there that's causing, you know, things to happen, but we don't quite understand it. Yeah. And I guess like that could point to uh, a transcendental like reality. You know. No. That we don't. Not really. really. No. About, things. But, you know. Things. Things we don't know about don't point to anything. Things we don't know about remain just big question marks until we know what it is that they are. Then you okay. can then you can form an opinion on that. I think if you form an opinion about a thing you don't know before you know anything about it, then that's generally a mistake. Right. Okay. I mean, I, ge generally, the idea of investigating scientifically is to find out what's true. Uh, and if you don't know a thing, then uh, you're not justified in just making up an answer that you want to be true. I mean, you can do that, but then you can't. You don't really have any ground to stand on telling somebody else that it's true. So, if you want to talk about a higher transcendental reality, you'd have to explain what does that mean and how do you know it's there. And if you don't know it's there, then whatever. <laughs> so there, there could be some other explanation for. You know, dark energy or dark matter. There, like there's that, almost right? if you don't know what enough about a thing to know for sure what it is and what it's all about. There's almost certainly a, a, a different e explanation than the one you make up. Right. Okay. Um, well, I guess like maybe the the uh, I, I don't want to say relationship, but like the way you go about talking about that mystery. You know, like that is kind of. Like it, it's all, it kind of relates back to like language, you know, how we how we relate to the world and how we relate to each other. But like, um, just spirituality being how I would go about thinking about a mystery or thinking about something that I don't quite understand. Uh, that kind of it's hard for me to describe, man. I, well, uh, when you run into a mystery, uh, I mean, what's your purpose in deciding how you think about it. I, I mean, would you like to solve that mystery, or would you just want to say, like, whoa, that's mysterious and cool? I say, screw it, man, it's a donkey. Uh, yeah, I, I would love to, you know, understand it, and I mean, right. I, I try well, if, to. Well, if you want to understand it, then the thing you have to do is think about ways that it could be, but then that's not the last step. You think about ways that it could be, but then, but then you ask yourself, all right, if it was this way, how would I know the difference between that 
and it being another way? How could I test this thing this way that I think it is? And if you can't come up with a way to test it, then you can't really practically tell the difference between that and another way. Right. You know, there are a bunch of different definitions that people mean when they talk about spirituality, and um, Mm -hmm. some of them, I think, are just fine. Um, To to cut to the chase, the one that I think is... Uh, when I say what I mean when I say is it's it's just fine is I don't mind if people do that I don't think that they're making a huge mistake right mm-hmm. um, though I don't personally like the term spirituality because I think it's got a bunch of baggage and it's not clear which of these various definitions people are talking about and so you know you could get into a conversation and say oh yes spirituality is such a fine thing and then everybody else in the conversation who thinks it's something different from you gets a different impression of what you're Right. Condoning, the 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 version of it that I think is fine is simply uh, you know ha- if you have a excited, uh, fascinated, positive reaction to neat stuff that you find in the world around you or in people or you know things like that. If you um, uh, if that's what you mean by a relationship, if you mean a positive reaction and enjoyment of the world around you. Some people call that spirituality. I think that's a fine thing as long as you don't go crazy and have a positive reaction to stuff that's actually bad. Yeah. Right, well, man, you because... You see the, the light at the end of the tunnel, you know? I'm just, um, but, uh, yeah, I, I see what you're saying. Um, yeah, and that's what I mean, like, more of, like, a method of thinking about yeah. the world rather than, like, like for instance, like um, I would uh, I, 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 may, may I more like a Zen kind of aspect where may, it's like may I cut the in everyday things that you do, the rituals that we do during the day that keeps alive kind of are like like the rituals Ooh. that you know um, you would uh, kind of relate to in like a religious aspect, but not a religious aspect. Like it's just yeah. personal. Yeah, you know, no, no. We all that, go through. That's that's not the kind that I that I would be comfortable with. Um, mm-hmm. the, the the sort of thing I was talking about is not a method. It's just an attitude. Okay. Just a positive attitude, which I think is a better word for it, or a better term for it, right? Right. Having a positive attitude is a fine thing. You really can't go wrong with that. <laughs> Yeah, because being an atheist doesn't mean that you can't find things cool and and be excited by you know oh wow look a rainbow a sunset. Right. Uh, when, when, and, when people start encrusting that with you know traditions and rituals and and observances and things like that, I start thinking wow um, you're kind of getting away from just having a positive attitude and starting to impose. Um, some meaning onto that that is not necessarily deserved. Right, because that's heading into superstition. That's like, you know, oh, if I do something like a rain dance, then it will affect the universe in some way and I can make stuff happen. And, you know, believing things that is not true can wind up having harmful effects. Like we told the last guy. Right. Okay? Yeah, that's um, that makes sense. I mean, I just kind of I thought about it in a in a way that was like you know you don't all like we don't all have to follow the same path you know that kind of thing but like I guess I'm speaking too like you know broad and poetically here whenever I'm talking about this you know sort of prepared a few more questions rather than gone off on this crazy crazy uh, that's all right man we'll, we'll be uh, here next week or somebody will <laughs> can I recommend a book to you real quick what's up 
Uh, Unweaving the Rainbow by Richard Dawkins is pretty good. Uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's about all the stuff that that seems interesting and magical, and he t- and he talks about how you know you can analyze them with science, and they can still be sort of exciting and magical. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now you've got that extra element of understanding how they work, which in some ways makes them even more exciting. Okay, unweaving the rainbow. Yeah, yeah. I, I was kind of basing a lot of um, not a lot of stuff, but like a few things of, of what I was saying. On um, a reading that I did of the the Dao De Ching, but I'll, I'll look up what you said. But uh, you know, like the Dao being like the uh, way that we can kind of hint at, describe, but not really like say what exactly it is. You know what I mean? Right. Okay. Well, that's all I had. So. All right. Thanks. Good luck with the atheist show. Thank you. Good luck thanks with finding things out. Peace out, yo. <laughs> yo. Uh, David in Houston. Well, good afternoon, gentlemen. Hi. Hi, David. I must, uh, I must say that I, uh, I greatly appreciate your show. Uh, I have a quick question. After the question, I'll merely hang up and listen to your reply. Uh, the one issue that I've never been able quite to comprehend, at least within the realm of Christianity, is this correlation between uh, eternal absolution of sin due to or as a result of the crucifixion. In practically every evangelical sermon or comment, the words, uh, you've been granted everlasting life because Jesus died on the cross for your sins, you, you hear that uh, consistently. And I've never really understood the relationship between them. In other words, how did God dying on the cross, so Jesus uh, dying on the cross, automatically generate man? eternal absolution? Why didn't he walk a thousand miles or eat an enormous meal or perhaps climb to the highest mountain, which also could have granted us everlasting life? Though I do not believe the stories are true, there are many topics and stories in the Bible that have a natural, logical progression. But I've never been able to understand the relevance between the cross the death and then therefore we yeah. are forgiven as a result of. Uh-huh. Okay. He said he was going to hang up. Uh, okay. It's always tricky when, you, when we're asked to explain things about Christianity because there's so many different flavors. And uh, there's always the risk that whatever we say is going to not be precisely correct for this or that subgroup. But in general, the idea with, with uh, Jesus' death is that uh, they had in their culture animal sacrifice to uh, ask for gifts or favors or forgiveness from the God. And the whole idea of Jesus was that he was supposed to be such a superb sacrifice to God, such an absolutely, you know, this is the finest thing you could ever, you could ever, <laughs> you know, kill it off and dedicate it to, to God, that that's the last time that ever had to happen. That was the idea. And now it's like, it's so awesome that people who weren't even there, who weren't even part of, of stringing them up, uh, can just reference that and get the benefit of how great that sacrifice was. Is that about right? Sure. As you understand it? I, I mean, I guess that's one way somebody would put it. Uh, I, I feel like if you have a question for a Christian, you ought to call a show like yeah. uh, The Bible Answer Man or something. Uh, Though, you're only, from a guy like that, you're only going to get the answer that's his interpretation of it. Yeah, but if you want to know, how does that make sense to Christians, <laughs> then you should ask a Christian. 
and and it still might not wind up making sense to you, but that doesn't mean that there's a deeper sense that you're missing. Right. It might just mean often it, it just boils down to it's it's God and magic, and therefore you know as long as he said that's what it was, then that worked. Yeah. Okay. Well, he's gone, right. so we don't have to wait for a response. Ed in uh, shoot, which one is MS? <laughs> Jackson, uh, Missouri, uh, I believe. Jackson. Hi. Uh, yeah, hello there. Mississippi. Hi. No, that's Hi. MI. Hi. <laughs> it's hello. you, Ed. Yeah, you're on, Ed. What state are you in? Okay. Hi. Um, yeah. Yeah. Hi. Uh, so, radiometric dating. You know, I, I was calling in about that. Is it doesn't work? You know, and that's why um, I suppose that. The Earth must be young because you know the, there's more evidence for that. You know, no. <laughs> uh, yes. No, no. I believe you're wrong. You're wrong. Uh, now. Um, I can give you an example if you if you like. Wait, wait a minute. Okay. Uh, you said radiometric dating is wrong, and that proves that the Earth is young. How? No, I got I got evidence. If you could listen to me instead of hanging up the phone in my ear. Well, that depends on how this call goes. <laughs> so, go ahead. See, now, what I have a question for you. When you say radiometric dating is not... What, what, how do you praise it? it? It doesn't work? Is that how you would put it? Well, it works At, a certain degree, but it... You know, it works a no. certain degree. So what you are saying is that it's not perfect. Is that what you mean? Yeah, and can totally Okay, I agree that radiometric dating isn't perfect, Good, but uh, you're aware. You're aware, of course, that that scientists use a number of different dating methods, none of which is perfect. Yeah, but- none of which is perfect, and they look for correlations because the more correlations they can draw, the more the stronger the evidence is that the that the correlated. Uh, findings are accurate. Okay. So you can I, I so you could give us if what you want to do you were offering to give us an example of radiometric dating not working, right? Well, you could give us an example and it's not going to establish your point because we concede that yeah. radiometric dating itself is not perfect. There can be instances oh, yeah. of it going wrong. But that's not it is not like all of the, sci- the scientific understanding of the age of the Earth is based solely on uh, radiometric dating alone, right? I want to hear the evidence. <sighs> Go ahead. Yeah, but I got a. Um, there's a few. I, I don't know which one to choose because I'm reading here from uh, Kent Hovind's creation seminar. And I'm, oh I'm boy, that's your first mistake. mistake. And, and, uh, hold on. And, and so Kent, and Ken Hovind is an is, is an established expert on science. Is that correct? Yeah. He, he no, does, he's uh, not. He's science, yes. No, okay. no, 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 no. You go ahead and read your evidence. Wait, wait, wait. Go ahead. PhD. Do you know where he me? got his PhD from? Was it an accredited university? Let me, let me, okay, okay, listen. Hovind taught it was a mail-order degree from some guy's house, I got, dude. I got okay, that fine. in detail. Let him do his evidence. Okay, go ahead. Okay. Uh, do you want the evidence or what? Yeah, go ahead. Um... The moon uh, is receding 10 centimeters per year, and if the Earth is over 1.3 billion years old, then the, then 1.3 billion years old, I mean, ago, then the the moon would be at the surface of the Earth. Uh, if we go by the standards of the uh, 
at which point it, it is receding. So yeah, it's impossible that it's so old. And also, no, no, we that, you you we, you asked to to give us a piece of evidence. That is a piece of evidence, right? You done with that one? Well, I, I, no, we want to respond before you move on to another one. Relax. We want to respond before you move on to another one. Okay. I'm not. I'm not going to do that. Okay, I'm go ahead. Warning you now because I know what you're going to do. I know what you. I don't think you do. do. <laughs> <laughs> go ahead. Okay. Now, please. Now, when you try to refute this, you must use evidence and not faith. Okay. Your faith in <laughs> yeah. you know, no problem uh, evolution and. Yeah, uh, no. and uh, no. Stephen Hawking's um, physical, I mean, uh, what's it called? abiogenesis uh, explanation and all that, you know, you can't, you can't go by that, you know, you, you got to bring in evidence, you know. I got evidence right here. Okay, you ready? I, I don't think so. You ready? <laughs> you thought you, th okay. Uh, Kent Hovind claims to possess a master's degree and a doctorate in education from Patriot University in Colorado. According to Mr. Hovind, his 250-page dissertation was on the topic of the dangers of teaching evolution in public schools. Formerly affili affiliated with Hilltop Baptist Church in Colorado Springs, Colorado, Patriot University is accredited only by the American Accrediting Association of matter. Theological Institutions an accreditation mill that provides accreditation for a $100 fee. Patriot <laughs> okay. University has moved to Alamoso, Colorado and continues to offer and continues okay. to offer correspondence courses for $15 to $32 per credit. The school's catalog contains course descriptions oh, yeah. but no listing of the school's facilities or their credentials. Name it and frame it lists Patriot University as a degree mill. So how so it does not matter it does not matter what claims you read to us from Kent Hovind's book your assertion that he is an expert in on these scientific questions is false. And okay. we will, and we are going to go with the findings of actual scientists over you know, what I some think. guy who got his degree out of a cereal box be very says. Yes, we are. Good reason. This guy's an idiot. Okay, now no. how fast? I'm sorry. If that's, that's the best you've got, okay. we're done. Go ahead, Russell. How fast do you think the moon is receding from the Earth? Uh. I gotta look up the exact number, but it was I at least it. over five centimeters. How much? I gotta look it up again, but uh, I can't remember exactly. But it's over five centimeters no, per year. No, it's three point eight centimeters. And do you know how many uh, centimeters it is from? I'm Earth? reading this off. I'm reading this off. Can't hope in sight, right? <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm not doing that. I'm using evidence now. Okay. What are, what are you reading off? Uh, uh, Russell's got the, the, the response right here. You want to hear what Russell's uh, information is to respond to that while you sure. look? I'm, okay. The moon is yeah. receding at about 3.8 centimeters a year. I read and it's science.org, by the way, so yeah. Right, and it's about 3.85 times 10 to the 10 centimeters from the Earth now, which is consistent within an order of magnitude with an Earth-Moon system that's billions of years old. Yes, but you've got to take into consideration on which 
the speed of the Earth is moving as well, and how it rotates, because that's also got um, impact. Because Ken Hogan, uh, with his degree <laughs> out of a cereal box, knows enough right. science to be able to write a book that you will read and just swallow hook, line, and sinker. I so what, and and I scientists, scientists and whose actual job it is, scientists <laughs> whose actual job it is to pay attention to stuff like this, have not noticed this brilliant thing <laughs> that Kent Hovind, right, the cereal box and the, the specialist, and Paul has Taylor figured out. And Ray Comfort. Ray Comfort. Yes, and Ray Comfort. Wow. Another genius of science. Let me look him up. And Eric Hovind. Eric and Hoven, Eric Hoven, Kent who's going to say son. what Kent Hoven says. Okay, thank you very... Uh, right. Do we have anything else to talk about with this guy? I don't think so. Okay. This will be fun looking up um, if, uh, if Are he's you still? in here. No, I, move on. I don't think Ray Comfort even says he has a, uh, a I, I don't think I have degree. him. No, I don't have him. Uh, yeah, okay. So, okay. Um, Eric in Evansville, Indiana. Hey, guys. Hi. Are you there? Yes, yes we're here. Uh, awesome. I'm so excited to be on. Um, great. Okay. So I'm, I'm dealing with some um, self-prescribed cognitive dissonance. Um, I am a recent uh, atheist, or you know, just started my um, atheist life, you can say. And I used to be a student of A Course in Miracles, and I wanted to see first if you guys are familiar with that text. And um, if you I've, can help me with some refuting, and if you can help me with some... Uh, I've heard of uh, it, but I can't give any kind of blanket response to it. Can you tell me some specific things they think? Yeah, um, the, it's supposed to be non-dualistic in its, uh, I don't know, framework, if you want to say. And um, and that's sort of where my questions come into play, Is is the logic and the thought processes of non-dualism and how I can sort of get rid of that um, now that I've... Can, can you give us, a, give us a concrete example of what you're talking about? Okay, so the whole premise is that if the concept of infinity is, is all-encompassing everything, formlessness, spacelessness, timelessness, um, uh. then nothing else could, could exist. So that all life, the world, um, everything else is an illusion because it would be defined by space, time, limit, and I don't structure. think I don't think that's quite right about infinity. I mean, there's there's a lot of different meanings of infinity even within math. Like infi an infinite length line could be something that goes on forever. But there's also this concept that like a a regular size line has an infinite number of points inside it. And that's obviously not all-encompassing. It just means that it's uncountable. You see yeah, what I mean? And, and I agree with that. Um, I think this definition, it, it's just a different definition given to the term. Um, right, but so, you have yeah, to be I'm, really I'm careful. With that definition, it's, it's really dealing with this other definition of infinity and how I can sort of deal with that. Well, can you tell us I don't think we're maybe we're not understanding mm -hmm. the definition you're trying to give us. Can you just tell us how that definition causes problems for atheism? Oh well, I'm not saying atheism. I'm, I'm more of my own personal. Okay. Um, yeah, I don't have a problem with that. It's just trying to make sense of it, and I've sort of made sense of it 
mainly because uh, it's sort of a non-cognitive argument. Like, I don't really think it matters or it makes sense because if there's formlessness and spacelessness and timelessness, then it doesn't really matter how my life would have to deal with it because I can just continue to live a peaceful and kind life towards others. Um, and But that's still this nagging thing in my in the back of my consciousness that I'm, I want try to get some reconciliation or to jettison it completely. Because well, there, there um, boy, I, I still can't claim to completely understand what the issue is, but when you say formless, it, when, when if somebody tried to tell me that that the that uh, uh, the that the universe is formless, spaceless, and timeless, no. no okay, what's actually, formless, spaceless, and timeless then? Well, what, what is that thing. being applied I mean, to? Just, it would, the book talks about how this um, concept of God or infinity would be complete oh. spacelessness, timelessness, and okay. That, the entire um, universe would be an illusion. Um, well, there's for formless and now is what I'm trying to get rid of. Formlessness, I got no problem with because there's all kinds of things that don't have a form. Like an amoeba hasn't got a form in a certain sense, right? <laughs> uh, right. A, a, a pile of various random things doesn't have a a set form. That's no big deal. Uh, Spacelessness is more of an issue because stuff that exists tends to occupy some space unless it's ridiculously simple like an abstract point. Then it doesn't occupy any space, but it's hard to see how that could be a god. And timelessness is a problem because stuff... When you talk about decisions being made or actions being taken or stuff being done that happens in time. So a thing that that is timeless either is omnipresent, right? All is all uh, in in which case it's it, it sounds like it's that then they're talking about the kind of thing that doesn't ever change and always just exists. Well, a thing that doesn't change doesn't do anything either. Or it really doesn't do anything because it doesn't because no time passes for it, and then it, and neither of those can, things can be a god either. Is that making any sense? Yeah, and uh, I'm, I'm sorry, it's really hard to explain what I'm trying to say. I'm not thinking of infinity or even something like the concept of God as a person or a being or an entity or a thing. Uh-huh. Um, I, I'm sorry, it's just hard to explain. Hmm. Um, I think. Um, I think this is more of a logical argument. Um, um, I think. <laughs> Eric, Eric if, if, yeah, it, I mean, if you don't mind me saying so, a lot of times these things are hard to explain because they're really just convincing-sounding, pseudo-philosophical, intellectual-sounding stuff. Deepities. So, yeah, that's a good word. <laughs> Are you familiar with that? Deep, a deepity? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, like, I don't know if you've been on the line the whole time, but we asked the first guy to to sort of define what he meant by spiritual, and uh, and it was hard to nail something down, and that's our experience in general, is that people um, have this vague idea that there's something called spiritual, and it's really neat, but they don't even understand what they mean by it. Um, Yeah, and I mean, what I consider spiritual now is just a neurologic experience. But um, that's, you know, I mean, when I consider, it's really hard to explain. I think what my biggest 
dissonance, cognitive dissonance right now is just getting rid of the old attachments that I had with this form of spirituality, or if you want to call it that, pseudo-religion, yeah. and uh, and just dealing with um, with this new thought process that I have, and with this newfound skill of critical thinking. Right. Um, and I'm just running into a lot of sort of, um, I don't know, my, my um, old ego is, is bumping against it, and I'm finding it hard to... Well, your your new ego might have some fun um, <laughs> reacting to to these, you know, um, deep sounding but um, but kind of empty. vacuous, empty uh, uh, concepts uh, well by by going, hey, you know, until you can make that something that I can understand, I'm just going to blow it off because it's not worth my time. <laughs> um, I, and I hate to go all Taoist on you, <laughs> but but you know if you think of this in terms of of sort of this mystical Eastern religious stuff, one one thing I would say is why are you trying so hard to let this stuff go? When you stop trying, it will leave you. <laughs> I think that's what a Zen master would say. Uh, I I would say don't spend a lot of time worrying about it. Just uh, un- examine the world with. Uh, with sort of a new angle on things, and then maybe you will eventually yeah. find that you don't need that stuff anymore. <laughs> Thank you, Master Ethel. <laughs> <laughs> it was nothing. <laughs> I do not speak. The Tao speaks through me. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, that's great. And I, I think that's, that was really well said. And I think that's probably the biggest thing is the more I... I sort of just uh, get fixated on it or think about it, the more I'm just dwelling on the... Uh, See, what you're just fobbing him off on another deepity. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> well, I, I <laughs> sure fits. That's all I got. You'll so. be okay, Eric. Okay. Just, you know, relax. Don't take stuff that people can't explain Don't too seriously. <laughs> well said. Hey, I really appreciate you guys. You guys have really been a pivotal part of my life right now. So keep it up. Thank you. Uh, thanks, man. Hang in there, man. All right. Thanks. Take care. You too. Uh, another Eric in Peoria. Hey. Hi. Hello. Hello. Hi. Hi. Uh, yeah. Uh, the people in the comments or the chat room are probably oh. really annoyed that I'm the second caller who isn't the Eric that they're freaking out about. Don't okay. Listen to them. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. I, I'm. I want to talk. Well, I was having an argument with someone about. Uh, being a, I mean, I'm, I'm a materialist in the sense that we can't determine that there's anything else besides the world, the physical world around us. Uh-huh. So, you know, what, what's that called? Uh, not philosophical materialism, but, uh, uh, well, you get the point. Sure. Um, and then they argued that from that point of view, there's no free will. My response to them, I'm not sure whether it's, uh, whether it was a good one, but it's uh, basically that um, you are basically your genetics and the things that have happened to you throughout your life. Is that approximately correct? Do you uh, agree? Um, I think so. 
So right. I, I think so, I think Russell is sitting back here because I'm the guy with the reputation for being the uh, compatibilist, right? Which is oh, okay, Dan yeah, that's, Daniel that's Dennett's view on free will. I subscribe to that. But what it takes is the willingness to um, to uh, have a different definition of free will than most people have come to expect. Okay. Yeah, like for if, a if long we go time, back in time and rego through the, right. the for thing, a, you will for a long do it. time religion dominated the discussion about free will. And so free will arguments always came down to, well, you need to have this magical, immaterial soul that isn't acted on by any outside forces, and it's what makes your decisions for you, right? Or it is you, in a, yeah. you know, in that kind of sense. And that's how you can get away from uh, the problem of free will. The, the mm -hmm. way that compatibilism deals with determinism and still comes out with free will is we reject a wide range of ways that we are influenced by the outside world as really not relevant to anything uh, about free will that we actually have any reason to care about. All right. Right. Yeah. That's, so that, yeah, uh, those guys were saying your every action you take is the direct consequence of a uh, of a series of cause and effect things going back to the dawn of time. Well, that's right? basically what I was saying. There, that, that is also that is compatible with free will. Is what I was saying. I do too. And the, but they say, they say it's not. They are they are right in that the outcome is um, if you were able to run an exact model of the universe, chan it, chances are when it got to this point and it's made a U, that U would do the same stuff you are doing. Okay. Yeah. But compatibilists say, who cares? <laughs> right. You yeah. are that guy that's doing that stuff. There's okay. no reason to incorporate a metaphysical, crazy, other, you, yeah, I don't know. I would argue that a lot of versions of religion are actually incompatible with free will. Uh, yeah, well, that's true, too. You know, Calvinists are, are at least honest about it and say it doesn't matter what you do, you're already pre-selected to go to heaven or hell. But, uh, you know, a lot of people also believe in a God who knows exactly, I mean, who knows everything, including everything that you'll do at every minute of every day. So just coming up with a God doesn't fix the problem, assuming there is a problem to begin with. Yeah. An immaterial, right. magical uh, soul that's independent of, of cause and effect could give you a kind of free will where these questions about how you're influenced by other things in the world around you in your past, right? Uh, mm -hmm. It could deal with all those questions and how they relate to free will. But so can simply defining, you know, when you say, do you have free will, <laughs> defining you as you, right? What you are. Yeah. And then asking, well... Is that bundle that we're calling you able to do what you want? Yeah. So right? it really comes down to what you are, not whether or not you have free will. That's how us compatibilists see it, right? Yeah. Do you have a book to recommend? Uh, the finest book on this ever written, I think, is Dan Dennett's book, uh, Elbow Room, Varieties of Free Will Worth Wanting. He touched right. on Elbow it again. Elbow room, but it's hard to find. It's like a little silver-covered booklet that was a speech that he gave that uh, turned into book form. That's hard to find. Uh, he's done another book on it that I'm aware of, probably more than one, but the other one I'm aware of is called Freedom Evolves, but um, I didn't care for it as much. 
I right. thought it was it, it read like you know he's flabbergasted that 20 years after after he wrote Elbow Room or however long it's been, people are still giving him giving him a hard time about compatibilism. Ah, okay. So, Elbow Room is what you should try to try to get. But the other one's easier to find, huh? The other one's easier to find. Okay. Also, one little other thing that's kind of random. Also, uh, I also think that uh, any atheist out there who's in a position which they can come out as an atheist should because it will help to get rid of social stigmas against us. That's... I'm with you. I agree that that would be a benefit of coming out, but I don't think that itself should dictate what a person's individual choice is. They, could, they should factor that in. All right. Some people are just All not right. in a position where they can do that and still have a happy life. Yeah, that's... And it's and it's and and that is the reason why the rest of us who already are, are out should keep fighting to make the world safe for them. Yeah. Okay. All right. Thanks for calling. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks, Russell. Bye. Bye. Who was that, Eric? Thanks, Eric. See you. Yep. Um, a word about being worried about the chat room saying next caller. Yeah. <laughs> we've had rules in the chat room for a while, but I don't know if we've ever mentioned this specifically on the show. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, people hate having rules now and having moderators, uh, but it really has cleaned up the chat room a lot. And and since I moderate on the weeks when I'm not sitting here, uh, the number one thing that gets people kicked out, in case you guys in the chat room weren't aware, were typing next caller repeatedly in the chat room. You know why? Because we're not reading the chat room during the show, so we won't get your message. It won't help speed things up, and it will just fill the chat room with a bunch of annoying messages that that are not productive. So just so you know, if you got kicked out and you don't know why, that might be the reason. Whew, smackdown for us. <laughs> Joseph in the UK. Oh, hi, Russell. Hi, Jeff. Hi, oh, Joseph. Hi, Joseph. <laughs> Just a couple of points. First of all, I mean, I know you're an atheist experience, but it seems to me that, I mean, personally, I'm an agnostic, but it seems to me that neither atheists nor uh, religious believers can know whether or not God exists. So in that sense, we, we at best can all be agnostics rather than either atheist or believer. Ah, ah we can explain the, the, the difference here, okay? Um, as we think that the term athe- atheism... And, uh, and the term theism are opposites. You either believe in a god or you don't. You're either a theist or you're not a theist, and then somebody who's not a theist is an atheist. Uh, and the words agnostic and gnostic are opposites, and those are statements about not whether you believe, but whether you claim to know whether a god exists. Okay? Many atheists are quite willing to... Uh, but atheists who understand the terms by the definitions I just described are more than happy to admit that they do not know whether gods described in various ways exist or not. All they are saying is that they do not believe any any of those things. Does that make it clearer? Yeah, start doing belief in the, believe in the belief process. So, yeah, so by our definition, I'm guessing you don't believe... You, if you, well, if cornered, would you I, say you do believe, or would you say you don't believe, even if it's well, only think, you don't believe yet? I think I'm a very similar background to you, Jeff. I was brought in a very religious background, but 
I was Presbyterian actually, I think you're Methodist, but the time I got to about 21 or 22 I started to ask other questions and uh-huh. it seems to me that, that whilst we could debate all night about whether dog or uh, God exists or not, there's two things which I think are very clear that there's a different debate as to whether or not we should have such a thing as religion because I, I, I agree with you heartily that the effect of whether there's a God or not is played out in religions and there's where the danger lies. Well, that may be, but I, I still want to see if we have come to some kind of understanding on the terminology, right? I'm not asking you to adopt our terminology. I'm asking whether my explanation of the way we understand those terms makes our position more clear to you. Yes, I think it does, Jeff. Okay. I think I understand from what you said, so thank you for that. Um, the other point I want to make is a broader one, and it may have been made before, so forgive me if it has been. Um, we all know that there's a basic law of physics and con- law of conservation that mass and energy indeed cannot be created or destroyed, and I understand that's still a fundamental principle of physics. Therefore, in a situation where we do obviously all patently exist, and therefore, setting aside whether it's a god or not, because that, I think, complicates the issue, there, is, there must be some process beyond even the laws of physics whereby creation had a role to play. Otherwise, apparently, we wouldn't be here. Well, there's two possibilities that we can't really rule out, which is that either uh, the matter that exists today... Uh, it always existed. Or, or whatever or something is else made always of existed always existed, yeah. Um, but none of that really points to the to the idea of intelligence or a god or anything like that. And what's the other one? You said there were two possibilities. Well, well I, I either, mean... Either it already always existed or... Um, or it is generated from elsewhere. I mean, like like a metaverse is an example right. of an alternative hypothesis that it that it was uh, that there is another universe uh, that that spits off pieces into uh, into existing universes. And and uh, I am aware of a third one. Yes, uh, which is that the total energy of the universe is in fact zero. Right. That I forget. Yeah. So so <laughs> there is no there is no there's no problem with matter having come from somewhere. Matter is just the other side of the coin from antimatter, and energy is just the other side of the coin from anti-energy. And there's equal amounts of both, and so it adds up to nothing. Right. Yeah. So you and I, you and I are effectively nothing at the, at the end of it all. Uh, well, no, sure, you... but a lot of things are nothing at the end. It's the when we're here right now is the fun part. Yeah, There's and I, I mean, you and I aren't universe somewhere. <laughs> you and I aren't nothing. I mean, I mean, we're like a bump in space time. I mean, right, if you right have, now we're not. If nothing. you have a plus a hundred over here and a minus a hundred over here, then you put them together and they make zero. But uh, that doesn't mean that the hundred is zero. Right. Yeah, I understand that. Those two points I'd like to answer on that. First of all, I think this thing about you know matter and antimatter. I think you're sort of boarding perhaps the Lawrence Krauss theory of saying that the universe right, is nothing. Yes. Well, yeah. It seems to me I've, got, I've looked at a lot of his videos, and it seems to me that what he's saying is that we go back and back and back, and as we break down particles further and further and further, we start getting down to almost fundamental energy, which itself approaches almost string theory, which is this rather nebulous theory that the whole thing is all put together, these little strings that whether they interact or not to produce matter is a matter just of luck or, or otherwise. But to get back to the, the issue of creation, where if we're to assume that a creative process, even if it's to create the strings themselves, um, I have great difficulty in understanding the concept of nothing. Maybe this is part of the mortal mind, I don't know. But it seems to me that, that the fact that we exist, if you say creation, I think, Russell, you said about you can go back to other universes and, and so on and so forth. You can go back as far as you want. You can keep stretching it out. 
but you still get to the situation where there must be something that's actually created it from, as it were, truly not nothing, necessarily not, not if nothing, one of the which is a very handy no, balance to no, not if one of the universes just always existed. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying to you. That the concept of, of of always existed. Yes, I mean obviously you can say it always did exist, but equally well if we're looking at a, at a creation process whereby you know always goes back forever and ever, and it may very well be the case. So I'm more I'm more difficult with the fundamental of energy that it's just there forever and ever and ever, rather than have to actually be created at a certain point. Um, I'm not referring so to a God here. I'm not referring to a God. Okay, that creative process. So you have more trouble with some kind of energy just being inherent and in- eternal in the universe than you have with a somewhat more complicated notion that there's a creative process that existed even though it didn't have any um, basis in some, et- uh, some eternal um, energy. Well, I just because I, I think you're, you, I think you're, I think you're maybe having an easier time with the idea of a creative process because it's yeah. something you can understand how that would work, where it's less obvious how just gen, something much more generic and simplistic like some energy gets to where we are. But yeah. I think I think the creative process you're looking for may well be. The playing out of the character, the inherent characteristics of whatever this um, this eternal, uh, non-created energy is, and I'm being completely yeah. speculative here, right? I mean, yeah. when Lawrence, when 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 Lawrence Krauss said, it's not just him. I mean, his name is attached to it, but it's it's not like he made it up, and he's the only guy talking about it. Um, when they talk about the universe. Uh, uh, the, the positive and negative energy of the universe adding up to nothing, um, they are saying that therefore it is the interaction of uh, of those of those um, particles that leads after generation after generation after generation of more and more and more complex interactions. That is what leads to us. That is the process you're looking for. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I suppose it's just difficult to contemplate a complete void, even if it is put in terms of uh, you know this cos- uh, cosmic physics, well, by the talk about dark matter and, and energy and so on. Right. It just seems to me difficult. I can understand digging a hole to make a hill because the hills, the matter, and the holes, the dark matter. Even there's a negative right. aspect to now. The now just matter. N- now just add to that. Right. You've got a hole and you got a pile of dirt. Right. And it adds up. Right. To, adds up to zero. <laughs> and now understand that. That space in the hole and the and the the uh, the matter of that pile have very simple physical characteristics that can interact, and then they yeah. do interact over and over and over and over and over again. And it doesn't remain a hole in a pile. It starts clumping together and interacting, and things orbiting each other, and things condensing into you know uh, into big ma- piles of mass that ignite and become suns, and we're off to the races. Um, so effectively, sorry, it's well, not, so effectively, you're saying that from the from your perspective, that uh-huh. you feel that it's easier to just accept it's that in, it's always been there, so to speak, rather than I, to think I don't, about I don't, initial process. I don't know, but I think that if you say that there's a process 
that process requires something to work on anyway. I'm, I'm just saying, I think the, the process you're looking for comes, is an emergent property of the much simpler stuff, right? And, uh, and it, you don't just go back to a process, and the process, what, makes the stuff? Well, there's a fundamental difficulty there anyhow because I think we're always dealing with our own brains or what we're capable of actually knowing or imagining. And it may very well be, and it probably is in all likelihood, whatever process is right there, way beyond even Lawrence Krauss, you have to say to yourself, well, there may be something there that that none of us can understand and never, probably never will be. That that may well be. I I wouldn't say that that we would (laughs) conclude that none of us can understand, but it's entirely possible that none of us do understand it it right now. It's possible that that, uh, Lawrence Krauss is way off base in his idea about how the universe might have come into existence. The, The problem comes when you think that you, uh, uh, you know, when you come up with an answer that you aren't sure about because the evidence isn't there yet, and then you come up with the idea that that the that is the answer. Um, a lot of people like to quote Sherlock Holmes, who said, "When you eliminate the impossible, then whatever re- remains, however improbable, must be the truth." But that's actually a fairly bad principle to work on because you can never be certain that you've actually eliminated the impossible. (laughs) Uh, I I, I mean, you know, unless you actually know everything about what you're talking about. And the, the origin of the universe is one of those things where we don't have a complete picture of it yet. And it's fairly hard to get a complete picture of it yet, uh, of it at this point. Uh, and what theists want to do is shoehorn this thing that they want to believe anyway and say, you know, a god did it. Uh, when really the only answer is, we don't know, we can speculate, one of those speculations might be true, but right now we just don't know. Sure. Sure. I think for my own part, uh, just a very quick point for it. I, I, I know you're running out of time very quickly. Just a very quick point. Uh, one of the reasons why I don't believe actually God exists, as, as certain in Christianity, is that it, it's held to be a just God and a Heavenly Father. Well, I don't believe any loving Heavenly Father would send any of his children to eternal hell. I don't believe that could happen because that's a contradiction to me. And secondly, a just God, surely whatever we do in a lifetime, even if you're Hitler or Pol Pot, there must be a limited amount of evil, so-called evil, that you can actually carry out in a lifetime. Well, how does an eternal damnation serve as a just punishment? Right. At some point, no matter how horrible Hitler was, at some point, any reasonable person would say, okay, he's suffered enough. That's right. (laughs) That's right. So if, if God is just, he would get to that point, and he wouldn't, I don't think any, and you wouldn't call a judge uh, just who sent a prisoner to, for eternity, if possible, to prison for somebody done, no matter how bad it was, it just wouldn't be just. Right. Right. And that's why we say that even if the first cause argument successfully proved that there's got to be something or other out there, you still yeah. have a hell of a long way to go to get to the God of Christianity or of Islam or Mormonism for that matter. I, I just want to well, say I, I, I've really I, I, I enjoyed I Joseph. Think, I, I Joseph? personally think that's a much longer journey than yeah. before you start for Lawrence Crisis trying to. <laughs> Discuss creation. All right, it's a much bigger okay. league getting from even God's existence. We're out of time. Religions are much. Joseph, much we're journey. out of time. We're out of time, Joseph. I've really enjoyed your call. Please call back some other time when I'm on, and I'll thank try not to waste. I'll, I'll try not to, to waste time. I'll try not to waste time quibbling with you about you know minutia of uh, of uh, ancient physics. Okay. <laughs> 
And that is our show, and we're going to Thread Gills after the show, and that is our crew, and the crew is awesome. And Thanks, it crew. Is good. This was and a very fun episode. Yes, I've enjoyed being on with you, as I always do. And all of my fans. Yes. <laughs> all on Thanks your side of the studio. <laughs> Bye, guys. See you next week. <laughs>